Welcome to episode one. We're going to discuss the origins, episode one. My name is Lane, uh, and I am your host, and we have two co-hosts. The next one is Luke. Hi, everyone. I'm Luke. And we have Scotty. Hey, we're Scotty. We're Scotty P. That's fine, too. We're assholes. (laughs) <laughs> Luke and I are on the uh, Primal Sec podcast where we once a year record a podcast about uh, information security and technology and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Scott, do you, you want to talk about uh, yours? Yeah, like five of you might remember me from the Sabertron.com Twincast podcast where every other week I talk about giant robots. And now I'm on this one to talk about giant giant robots. All right, we can do that. Can you do that? <laughs> All right, so I guess let's let's go ahead and just kind of start with Origins Episode 1. Um, I know Scotty and I and Luke were all talking earlier, and, and I guess the, the manga kind of starts off way differently from the, the TV show. The TV show starts off with an awesome space fight scene where you see uh, Char in space just wrecking in the one-year war with some shotgun weapon that I don't remember seeing in any of the regular series um, and just blowing things up. And he moves three times faster than anything else. And, and honestly for this episode, to me, that was the coolest scene. (laughs) It was a cool scene. And I think the importance of it is uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the battle of Loam. And that's specifically when he got his nickname, the red comet. Yes. Which is which is kind of a great throwback because it kept getting referred to as the, as the as the Red Comet, and there was never really any context to that in the original series. Yeah, I mean, I think they. I don't want to get get ahead of ourselves too much, but I think they show the red streaks every once in a while in an original series, but I don't think they. Yeah, they don't go into it very much. It's a blink and you miss it, or. Maybe tune out for three seconds and you miss it. Throw away line of dialogue that explains it. Yeah, and that that happens so much, especially with the early Gundam stuff, that it's really confusing. And I'm sure, like, we'll go through that because I know I haven't seen all of Universal Century, and that's kind of like one of the goals for us is to go through all this stuff by the end of the podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure Luke hasn't seen it all. And I, I think Scotty's seen more than any of us, but I don't even think you've seen it all, have you? V is so boring. I can't. I can't. Maybe the maybe when we have to like talk about it. I don't know. We should just skip that episode, or I will. So, it's boring. So I've watched uh, everything, and when I say everything, I mean everything up to the beginning of Zeta. So all of the weird side stuff, the CG animated randomness, all of that stuff. Most of it's bad. Yeah, I've. <laughs> I've seen through Zeta. Um, I haven't seen most of the, the like Igloo or anything like that. I, I know of it, but I haven't watched it. We need to make um, a pact here on the air to just not even bother with Igloo on this show. <laughs> we won't talk about it, but I have seen it. Right. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, I tried to, to skip through most of Zeta by watching New Translation, but that will be another podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so opening fight scene, awesome, and then it goes into meeting um, Zion Zoom, Zoom Daikun. Yeah, um, yeah. so I actually and, wanted to, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to bring something up here, because to catch up on this, I'd seen this episode a couple of times, and 
Uh, I did rewatch it kind of sort of quickly skimming over it, but I thought it would be fun to uh, pick up the manga version of it just as something different. And the framing sequence in, or the opening sequence in the manga volume for this story is completely different. It is the, uh, it's from the point of view of Sela instead of Shar, and it's when they have the white base docked at Jaburo after the battle there. And it's when Slegger first comes aboard. Uh, so it's a kind of this completely different sequence where it's almost like a, like a Sela flashback instead of Shar for the anime. And uh, it, it works, I think, well for the manga, because as you mentioned, Lane, this is the first episode of the anime and it just starts out with Battle of Loom and then it flashes back. And I think that's a better hook uh, in the manga. This is like in volume five. So you've had like four volumes following the white base and all that stuff. Uh, so yeah. And this, and it's interesting that you say that because this episode is framed entirely as this is Char's background and Char's story. And it doesn't really put a lot of focus on anyone else. Well, and I think, I think the whole series is paced like that. I, and again, I don't want to, I, I have a feeling what we'll do is we'll watch all of these shows and go over each one and then kind of have like a, a shorter wrap up. But I mean, it seems to me like all of origin is like, you know, start off and then follow Char all the way up through the original Gundam series, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It, it definitely takes the perspective of, um, as I mentioned, it's Char's story, and I don't know if it was intended to be that, but it's definitely framed that way, and it's he's the, the focal point of the entirety of the background of, uh, what is it, UC 0079. Right. Yeah. There's an argument to be made that he is the main character of the of the Universal Century series up to a you know a certain point. Right. That's not, it's not a great fair. argument, but there is an argument. Well, I mean, he I mean, he he d- definitely carries a main thread through, you know, a, a certain up till a certain point. And even after that, I mean, he he mm-hmm. he's referenced a lot um past that stuff. Oh yeah. So I think the great thing about this episode though is is it being Char's story as as I said, um it's really a great look into his motivations for the entire series because uh, like we mentioned with a couple of other things when you look at back the original series or even the movie cuts of it, especially the movie cuts of it his motivations are a little unclear other than you know revenge and i have to get rid of the zombies but you know you get a little bit of a sense of why he talks a little bit about why that's the case but this is specifically framed as telling you that story in extreme detail yeah and and in some ways i think this Gundam suffers from a lot of the same problems other Gundams suffer and lack of explanation and bipolar characters that just bounce from left to right. And, and, and like the overall narrative is great. Um, but so, so let's jump right. So the, the first scene uh, after the fight scene is um, Daikun just basically going nuts, like comparing himself to Jesus and talking about how he's going to be, you know, hung on the cross on Golgotha like Jesus was so he can die for his people. And holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and this is a guy that's supposed to be like the leader of people and has like inspired people all throughout Universal Century. Um, and then like even in that first scene, too, it's Char doesn't seem to really like his dad. I mean, and, and, and this where he's just kind of like looking away and, and being pouty because only Artesia got hugged when his daddy was having like a mental breakdown or of some sort because he hasn't gotten enough sleep for his speech the next day. 
Yeah, it almost looked like uh, it was kind of framed like the children were afraid of him, uh, or at least um, the mother was afraid of the children being, you know, interacted with him uh, by him in that state. Um, so it was kind of interesting that she suddenly was just like, "Oh, daddy, yay!" Um, and then he had, he showed that level of jealousy, and then all of this like rage based on what happened. You didn't really get a sense of his relationship with his father prior to his death. Yeah, and, and I, I wish they would have kind of expounded on that a little bit because. You know, for for him to be trying, so like I, I I totally get like moving on later, like him trying to avenge his mother, and I mean everything like that. Like I, I get that part, but like I don't know the, the 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 whole family dynamic is just bizarre, and we'll keep coming back to this throughout the rest of this episode. It's just you know what the fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, I think what they try to do here because. In the original series, there's he's a character that's mentioned and never seen. They don't do any kind of flashback to it or really explain too much about him. And I think they kind of pulled this interesting analogy here where you have Sela, the young child, who's still like enamored with her father and kind of maybe looks at him or is presented as looking at him as like this hero. And then you have Shar, who's just old enough to be like sick of his shit, right? And then you have through his mother's eyes the oh man he's actually crazy sort of lens to it and I guess that's sort of the like, three ways of viewing that character from other characters as you proceed through the series and uh, you know it's a neat way to introduce somebody that's not there a lot but has such a big influence on the rest of everything else that you watch later. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would have loved. I would have loved if they went back further and we saw more of like the rise of Zeon before he went crazy and, and died. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think that's like, if they ever go back again, I, th- I think that's like a really good place where they can do stuff. But I mean, I guess they're limited because they kind of start making Gundams after this point. Right. So you've got the yeah, guns I, and stuff like that, but you don't I mean, have much, much else. To, to me, it was, yeah, I mean, we're already, we're already 10 years before the first Gundam at this point. Yeah, to, to me, it was sort of like being introduced to John Lennon after the Beatles. Like if that's the first you ever learned about him. Like it, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, he, he's supposed to be this big charismatic figure and you don't really get any of that. Yeah, he's definitely not charismatic. And it, just like other characters, you, you kind of like see these few scenes with him and you're like, whoa, what's going on with this guy? So... Yeah. So he dies. Obviously, he's poisoned by the Zabi family uh, during his speech and passes away. And um, people start rioting. Um, they spirit the kids away. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to like follow the exact plot of the story too much. But one of the things that was just that really <laughs> made me laugh was when they're taking the kids away um, to safety. And the protesters are surrounding the cars, and um, Rawl has got this like submachine gun. He's like blasting it into the air, mm-hmm. and and like the protesters are like, "Nah, nah, you, you know, go fuck yourself." And and then like, um, uh, yeah, she up. shows up, and like with these demon horses with like red eyes, and everybody just like disperses immediately. I'm like, all right, so submachine gun, not scary. Demon horses, scary. <laughs> There's like this. There's this whole aristocratic element to it, right? Like they're all upset about Daikun, this guy that we just saw, who's a crazy person, and then it's 
you know, House Daiku and House Zabi and House Rawl. And it's uh, like, huh, you know, it's uh, going extremely far ahead without Unicorn. This would have been kind of tough to buy uh, as, as being the history of these things. If they was just, here's 0079 and then this comes out right after or something. But uh, I thought it was more symbolic of that. Yeah, it, it, so, it was bizarre. I, and I just kept remembering seeing the, the red horses, the red eyes of the horses and being like, man, those, those would freak me out too. It's Master Asia. <laughs> Look. One thing I found interesting was the I felt like, um, and maybe this was part of the whole plan and I just didn't read into it deep enough, but they were super inconsistent on what they wanted. The Zobbies were super inconsistent on what they wanted to do with the children. At first they wanted to well, let them, well, we'll help you get them to the Rawl residence and then um, then they get there and then they're like, well, no, you got to get them back. And then after they try to get them back and fail and they're trying to escape, they're like, nah, let them go. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And I mean, that continues through the rest of the episode as well. I mean, it, we'll get there too, but you know, they, it, and this is one of my main issues with Gundam as much as I love it. It seems like people's, thoughts and and actions just change on a on a whim with no real um thought behind it (laughs) yeah i think it flows funny here it's meant to be or i should say i could analyze it as being somewhat symbolic of the discord within the zombies themselves and later how they treat zeon and they all kind of have their different ideas on how things should be going and how that eventually leads to their downfall. I think the execution was a little bit. Oh yeah. There, definitely. Right. You definitely, you definitely. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. I think they kind of try to fit everything into the existing framework of the story. And they're like, we have to make this make sense based off of the timeline of events that we've never explained. And you definitely have a good variety of people within the Zabi family. I mean, the, the very next thing that happens after this, this scene um, is, is Sasaro and uh, and just beats the hell out of his sister. So, and and you see, as far as the timeline goes, we get our first woman slap, um, which becomes a theme throughout a lot of Gundam as well. So, um, so we make like a soundboard thing <laughs> for it to to make count, and we could do one for bright slap as well later. Well, so I've I've got I've got uh, hitting women, and then. Children also happens in this episode, so this this episode really does kind of like it. Just it 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 wraps together a lot of the Gundam tropes of just beating women, beating children. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there isn't any uh, implied clone child rape in this one, at least. Right. I don't know. It got a little weird when Casilla handcuffed Char. That that was going in a weird direction. That was that. very weird, and and I was like trying to not think weird things but it, it, i feel like it was implied but it wasn't at the same time it, it was like they tried to do as much they tried to get as close to that line as they could without like basically being like yeah this is what we're doing i, I almost wish this story was you know i know that with the you know luke you kind of mentioned this like they had this calendar that they're a little bit hamstrung by man like that scene would have worked so much better if Char was, you know, his teenager 
military academy kind of age, like, you know, another three, four years later or something, but just the way they animate him and, and draw him when he's, what is he, 11 in this story? I don't think they specified his exact age. Um, um that's I don't know. Yeah, or maybe, yeah, I don't remember what he's supposed to be by the time of the, the first Gundam, but anyhow, uh, it, like, he just looks a little bit too young to take that scene seriously. He was nine. nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely awkward. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he that was zero zero six eight. Uh, was the first episode. That sounds right, yeah. So then um, Casilla goes in and blows up uh, Sassero and, and Dozel, but Dozel is immortal for right now. Good good, good segue there, though. It's, it's how we, we get introduced to how Dozel got his yeah. scars. So that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Uh, I'll just go out on a limb and say Dozel is probably one of my favorite characters in the whole Origin series. He's arguably one of my favorite characters throughout 0079, even though they didn't really build him up too much in the original series. He's the human side of the zombies, kind of showing how Space Hitler could come to power. It's because of his nice brother, in part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think his brother even made the comments, you need, you need to stop being so soft. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest, most strong, militaristic dude is is the... One that's like, hey, should we not, like, kill the kids? <laughs> Maybe don't be your sister. I mean, I think that was a little little harsh. Please don't kill the children. So, uh, next thing is uh, Jim Baral. Holy crap. He is nuts in this, seri- in this series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, like, you have a scene with him where he's normal, completely normal. And, and this goes back again to the bipolar Gundam trope and then the one scene later when you know he's he's been staged for the murder of Sosro like he goes from like a leader a military leader who's supposed to be like you know a point man for the entire uh, colony to just some batshit old man that seems to have lost his brain well, it's, it's interesting, too, because if you pay attention in the background, throughout the scenes, they show all of these, like, propaganda posters, maybe not propaganda posters, but propaganda posters of Zeon and Jimberall together, almost like they're the united front of, like, early Zeon. Yes. So it's, it seems like he definitely would have had more clout with society to immediately well, be and accused that, of. And that's what they, that's kind of what they they infer, like, from... You know, after Daikun's death, it's it's the Rawls and, and uh, the Zobbies, and it doesn't seem like it takes much effort to like destroy the Rawls. And that I, I don't know, like I, I kind of I kind of got disappointed with that because I feel like like um, you know Jim Brawl is a central character in, in in a lot of ways, but he's just like they they just really didn't do him a good service there. I think. Yeah, I mean, he, you, you were right. He did go, over the span of about a scene, he went from competent military leader, competent political leader, to crazy guy. And I, and I think, despite the fact that it was one scene apart, I think it actually was within a couple of hours that he spiraled down into a complete nut yeah, I job. I don't know if the manga does that exact sequence like that, because at some point, the thing with uh, Daikun, uh, like, saying goodnight to Sela and all that is, like, that's not right at the start. 
they show him dying and then they show that later and it might be in between those sections. Um, the other thing that's a lot more clear in the manga is how Sasro uh, has all these connections and is able to manipulate the media. And like, so he pulls a bunch of favors and is, has already planted the seeds, you know, by the time that he's died to have basically make it look like um, House Rawl was responsible for Tycoon's death. And it's this whole, you basically kind of have like these three big houses and influences of power. And this is the zombies trying to seize all of it. And I think Rawl is getting paranoid because he sees, oh crap, they just took care of one of them like, so quickly. Ah, shit. Like they're yeah, coming for me. That's interesting because the the anime does not give a good feeling for Sashiro. They they state that he's like the leader of the family and he's kind of like, aside from you know his dad, he's kind of the guy that, that controls everything behind the scenes. But they never really show that in the manga, and but they make a big deal out of his death. So it's like one of those things that they compress in time that, I don't know, I wish they would have put a little bit more... They really, it was just a few passing comments, like, oh, he had a really good way with controlling the people, and it was just like little offhand passing comments that they used to try and build up his legacy, but I think it was a little too sparse in the in the first episode to really get a feel for how important he was, or if he was beloved at all, because he seemed like a, he seemed like kind of a dick. I, he didn't seem like the type of person that would have this huge... No, yeah, I agree with you. Backing. Do, they, do they mention in the anime, as I said, I've seen it, but I don't. I don't think they mentioned it. Did they bring up him being the oldest of the Zabi children? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think. I think it's again. It's just like a quick. As the yeah. oldest, yeah. blah 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 blah, and it, it wasn't anything. They didn't explore well, it that. Starts at all. to paint Garen a little bit more sinister since he is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they did spend mm. time on that. They definitely started to build him up really well, and they did a lot of uh, interesting, I guess, exposition with him, like showing him playing uh, playing Go in the background, working on his strategical elements and getting advice from his father on how to basically be sneakier. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting because, you know, they, they played him, I feel like they played him with a lot more foreshadowing. Like, if, if you would see this before you saw the original series you would wonder what his dad was doing at all you know mm -hmm. um, whereas if you see the original series and then you see this you're like oh yeah that that makes complete sense like he's a badass and he's you know um hitler zombie and all this stuff one thing I'll note about that is is if anyone is watching this series before the original series they're mm -hmm. going to be super confused there's a lot of like subtle references, maybe not even subtle references, just a, you probably know where this is going type stuff. I assume this, you have episode. seen the original series. I, I assume the manga is that way too, right? Yeah, but at least at that point, if you were to start with the origin manga from the start and then get here, you've at least had like a thousand pages of the war story from Amuro getting the Gundam up to Jabro. Okay. And then, and then you have this. So it's yeah. So, it, so does the does the I, the manga kind of handle the original series? So I've only read up to this point in it, uh, but yeah, it is. 
I think this is why uh, there was some surprise that Origin ended at the sixth OVA because the manga handles the entire one year war. Um, oh, I got you. And there are some differences too. Interesting. Not anything major, uh, but I think it's a little bit closer to like the novelization. I I don't think they go so far into the novelization that like Amaro dies in the war and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it goes through. Spoiler warning. Interesting. Um, so yeah, we'll move forward a little bit more. Um, this is where Casilla goes and um, basically tries to get uh, Kosoval or Char and the family and everything. And he's already transformed into, I guess, the head of the family because um, he gets in this argument. And everybody seems to be cool with this. Like, uh, as we've said, a nine-year-old kid uh, – in charge of his mother and sister. Although to be fair, Jimberol was not cool with it. Yeah, but at this point too, Jimberol's already had like three scenes of being batshit insane. So I don't think anybody cares what Jimberol thinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of lost his he kind of lost his credibility, but he did kind of have a moment of clarity. No way they should be talking to Castle yeah. right now. Oh, you already let him in. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> He's, he's nine years old. He is an adult in anime, <laughs> by anime standards. Well, Casilla makes that exact comment, too. She said, he may only be however old he is, nine years old, 11 years old, whatever, but he's an adult. Like I, I guess this goes um, kind of what, I forget which one of you was saying it earlier, but it's like kind of the whole, um, the way society is arranged, and, you know, this is kind of like the uh, the patriarchy, as it were. He is the man of the family, so regardless of uh, his age or anything like that, he is the one that may have to make all of those uh, decisions for that family. Well, and it's, that's an interesting point too, because um, later on, and not to get too far ahead, feel free to stop me if you want to talk about this later, but uh, later on when um, Zeon's actual wife shows up, she kind of ousts mother and wants to take control of the children and they're trying to trying to oh get yeah this, out, that, but. that's my next point I, my next note I, I took notes on this episode i was watching it this time is rosa lucia is pissed oh, that astraria is a trophy wife <laughs> yeah she was <laughs> but I, I will say i will say rosa, rosa lucia is based off of the first scene or i guess the second scene of this show but the first scene with uh, Daikun, they're a match made in heaven. Kind of crazy and yeah, they're, I mean they're both batshit insane people that are very um, uh, politically oriented, and yeah, they seem like very similar people and. Uh, Astraria is very much a, a trophy wife that was able to bear children for her, where um, Rosalucia was a sick old lady. I don't think she was actually his wife. Astraria, no, she, uh, wasn't. Astraria she wasn't his wasn't wife. Actually, yeah, she's a mistress. Yeah, so he, I think I think uh, Rosalucia, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, she was she got ill, she couldn't bear children, but she was this huge, huge believer in his ideal, ideals. Um, one of the big original supporters and that was a big advocate for him until she got too ill to, to support him anymore. Yeah. They were coffee shop his, hipsters that liked to sit around and talk philosophy and 
Like I'm just imagining some little clique of people like that. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine. It's, and that would have been an interesting first episode. Maybe. I think that could be or it would have been really cringy. <laughs> well, it could have been a cool place to really start the series. Going back, uh, not, not necessarily the coffee shop OVA. per se, but showing, showing, yeah, doing doing an OVA showing like the rise of Zeon becoming this figure that was espousing the independence of Zeon. Yeah. Not just starting with, I have to make my speech. Yeah, give it enough time. When when they need to go back to that well, that Universal Century well, they'll, they'll do it. They, they, they might know, they, they, they'll, they'll probably come up with another Laplace blocks or, or something like that for them to open in 0020 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they got to they got to have something else bomb yeah. though. They got to do like a IBO sequel that's just awful or something like that, which I think they yeah. are doing, but hopefully it's good. Yeah, I think they're doing a uh, they're doing an IBO sequel. I think they're doing um, what is it? Gundam narrative is supposed to be following yeah, following unicorn. Out soon, yeah, yeah, that is, yep, yeah, that is soon. Yeah, and then just to keep on with this total derailment, uh, their the Hathaway's Flash would be after that, and it's been rumored for. I don't know forever because that story is like thirty years old or something. Well, the, like that. Yeah. are the mangas out for all of these? I, I I've seen like a manga list and it's crazy for Universal Century. So like there's a there's a ton of story that hasn't been told, and I, and I think we're gonna try to in, in this series we're gonna try to um, attack uh, deal with some of them. Um, and I won't spoil anything, but we've already talked about some of the stuff we want to address because like. When you get to shows, it doesn't, some of this stuff just doesn't make sense unless you have that background. And I don't have that background, so it just doesn't make sense to me right now. So, yeah, to my knowledge, okay. I'm sorry, to my knowledge, uh, the, the manga for Origin specifically is out and completed. I think they went up through 12 volumes. Um, and I think they're hefty volumes. Scotty, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're hefty mm-hmm. volumes. Uh, By volume, it's like three to 400 pages. Yeah. And there's 12 of them. And that's, that's like the entirety of origin. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that correlates to, um, the first, first four episodes of origin. I, I specify the first four because the, the, the last two are specifically focused on the battle of loam. Yeah. The, so the one I'm in is volume five and the first half of it is this episode. And I'm, I guess I should just skip to the last page. I think it ends at the second one. Um, I think so. There, yeah. Yeah. It ends at the end of the, the second origin anime. So, okay. Volume five, will get you cool. episodes one and two. There we go. All right. So, um, the children are, or no, uh, Australia, Put in a tower, kind of random, out of nowhere. Um, kids are in there. Gun tank rolls up, takes the kids, leaves Astraria behind. Did, did they ever explain why they left her behind? Um, I don't think that they expected to be able to smuggle her out as well. Um, so this was all Ramba Rawls' yeah. like drunken plan with uh, Hamon in order to get the kids and Jimba out. Originally, the idea was to get Jimba out and smuggle the kids along if they could. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. It seemed like he was more worried about getting Jim yeah, out so than the, anyone else. This is kind of like the, the, the last, well, the only real fight scene of the meat of the episode is 
gun tanks going crazy, probably killing hundreds of people as it just randomly rolls through the city. Yeah, they they definitely just were monster trucking <laughs> over cars like it, like it was nothing. Yeah, I think is it one? It, it's only one protester that gets like gored, isn't it? I I don't know. Like I that. they may only show one person, but they're they're pretty much rolling through the main street of of the colony. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Th- there's no way that well, fifty to seventy five people weren't injured or killed at a minimum. Yeah, they kind of lost over that. And and when they showed like they showed at one point they showed like a video of them like saying, "Hey, there's this gun tank running through the city and it's going on this path and it's like ha- going halfway through the colony." So, you know it's that like it's point. not a short trip it's taken. So, it's it's rolling over some people. They were, they were in like the middle of the colony when they pointed that out and they'd been traveling for a while. Yeah. And they they showed they showed the dock was at the other end. Yeah. So, I mean, they essentially drove what three quarters of the length of the entire colony? Yeah, plowing over cars. But the good point, the good thing is, is um, Char magically learns how to pilot a gun tank and take out like four gun tanks before they get blown up. To be fair, he only piloted the gun. He, he no, only like no, found, no, 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 no. He, he piloted. He, right. he piloted the gun for the first shot. The 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 second part after the first shot. He moved the gun tank itself. Yeah. Well, so he found the tr- he found the trigger on accident because he pressed the right. conveniently blinking button right next to him, and then the first shot was it was a screen looking at a at a giant gun tank. I mean, I don't think that was yeah, yeah. too incredible. Right. But the- everything after that was a little miraculous. Though. Yeah. The- well, this is one of those things that you have to. You, you have to like relax and just like let it be because what it is is the the plot yes. needs to happen and so they're just going okay let's let's find a way for him to taste blood and like it and be awesome. so one one thing I like about that scene one thing I like about that scene is right before he finds the the triggers is you see that moment of um, him becoming him going from um, Casfall to Char, because you you see that switch in his brain flip where he's like, those are our enemies and I will destroy them. And that's, Mm -hmm. you you literally see the switch flip in his brain in that moment, him become Char. Yeah, I agree that, I mean, that was definitely a very purposeful scene. Um, I I just thought it was funny because it was like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I've been in a gun tank for 10 minutes and now I'm an ace pilot that can take out the military. Come on, you you watched Double O. <laughs> this isn't a big stretch for Gundam. But oh, oh no, I'm mean, again. My, dad, my brother died. He could pilot a Gundam. But, I'm gonna learn right now. Hey, like I've said for for all of the um, all of all of the Gundams, this this first episode of Gundam Gundam seems to wrap in so many of our typical Gundam tropes that like right. th- this is one of them. Like some random dude. Gets in a situation where he's in a in a Gundam. I mean, this is a gun tank, but whatever. Like, and they're awesome, and that's what happened here. <laughs> Space magic. Yeah. So the only other note I had for this was I I thought it was really weird, and I don't know if any of you guys ever noticed this. Um, when when Artesia was getting out of the gun tank uh, with with her cat and her outfit, I was sitting there thinking. Um, Kiki's delivery service. Oh yeah, yeah. No. 
I definitely didn't think Kiki's Delivery Service, but I did think uh, Wizard from, I don't know, Final Fantasy, something like that. But definitely Wizard's Yeah, I, I, as soon as I saw that, like, actually, as I was watching it, I was like, I Googled Kiki's Delivery Service. And I was like, mm-hmm. this, this has got to be some sort of throwback. There's got to be some artist or somebody that was related to that. And I didn't look into it, but it just seemed so pointed and, and like the same color robes and everything. It was, it, it was yeah. it, it with the black cat. And yeah, I didn't look, but they've, uh, they have collaborated with Ghibli on some co-production in the past on these. And, and sometimes if they need a scene done and a studio is behind, like they'll, like they will work together with sunrise. Yeah. Um, or at least, or whatever they're calling themselves now. Ponyo? Ponyo? Is it Studio Ponyo they're going by now? Something like that? I can't that. remember. No, I Something think like there's th- those are two separate ones. Ponok? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know. I'm saying I don't remember. I don't think I ever knew. <laughs> You've seen it in passing. Yeah, I read it somewhere on the internet. <laughs> One time. So, um, all right. So the kids get to the dock. They get in the boat with Jim Baral, at, or not the boat, sorry, the, the spaceship, and they escape. That's <laughs> fine. Can I make one point about this? The entirety of all of Gundam boils down to one man, and that is Lieutenant Tachi successfully getting them on that ship. And he was not equipped for that job. <laughs> he, did, he was not. He was like, no, no, don't scan it. Why not? Why not? And, and it just like skipped to the scene where it like went on. Because I said so. Cut to them being, successfully being in the ship. <laughs> he's, uh, he's tired out from Haman talking him into doing it. <laughs> more, or le- more or less. I thought that was a... If it weren't for Tachi assing his way through that, we would not have had any of the uh, any of the major conflict throughout the entirety of Universal Century. Gundam Origin would have ended at Episode One. <laughs> nice little bit of chaos theory. Yeah, this this one guy's screw up has this huge effect. Yeah, I mean it's great that it worked out that way. I just thought that 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 bothered me the whole time, especially when they they first introduced him as this ridiculous like head over heels dude who just was useless. It was funny. <laughs> I liked how it, I liked how it worked out though. Him him running around looking for the cat and it magically worked. It was great. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, they get out and then we're on to episode two, which will be our next episode. Um, what do you guys give this episode overall? I give it a B plus. Mm, three stars. I'm I'm kind of mediocre with it. I don't know, like a. I think uh, it wasn't the best episode, especially I thought some of the later episodes are pretty good and we'll talk about those when we get to them. But um, I thought it was a decent episode for showing Char's motivations and showing him kind of becoming Char, um, at least the roots of it. Um, but in terms of enjoying the whole hour long episode, it, it definitely could have been better. Yeah. I think this is one that if you're already a fan of Gundam and familiar with the series, it's a, it's a good watch. And it's nice backstory. Uh, but I think if you're not familiar with it, this is just a terrible starting point. Just awful. Um, but I don't think it's meant for that either. I think this is the, you know, hey, older fans, look, we're making new material in that original storyline. 
uh, and, and char is wildly popular. So it kind of made sense to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think as part of the whole series, this is very good on its own. It's like a C plus for me. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's not a great rewatch. Obviously I was so enthusiastic about the rewatch. I was like, let me go buy the manga instead and, and read it. <laughs> Would you say the manga is a better, if someone isn't familiar with the, with the universe, the manga would be a better starting point rather than going back and watching the original series and then watching this. Yeah. I think it probably flows a little bit better and, you know, starting out with 0079, I think makes sense from a plot standpoint, but that show can also be hard to get through or the movies can be hard to get through. Um, they're kind of dated in their pacing. Uh, Very so much so. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. That's the, that's one of the tougher things with Gundam. It's like, what is a, a good starting point? I don't know. Go pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think Honestly, as far as this episode goes, like, the thing that for me is like you see that opening scene, right? And it is really awesome. And then you go into like forty-five minutes of of drama, which is okay. Like it's a good setup. Um, it, you know, the story is great as far as like getting an idea of what was going on, what the characters' motivations are. Um, but like aside from that, you only get one scene of like a gun tank blowing up other gun tanks. Yeah, it gives you that like opening hook like here's all the robot battles you're expecting and now game of thrones yeah and and i guess the other thing is the characters are really uneven in this um Kosval and and jimba are just nuts right and they, they do give young casval this like school shooter vibe yeah you, you you get them where they're Special. like either really angsty or really you know strong-willed and then crying the next and then um jimba is this jimba to me is like you have one guy that's batshit insane but he's also a, supposed to be this this leader like the the only person and again I, i'll come back to him my my favorite character this episode by far was dozel because he was consistent throughout the entire time, and especially when he gets out of his uh, mummy outfit and he pops his stitches and blood just goes everywhere. You just kind of like laugh. you got to laugh at that point. Yeah, I think Rambaral uh, is is well done here as well. Because oh yeah, definitely. I did like Rambaral a lot. He was pretty good too. He he'd be my close second to Dozel. Yeah, because he's he's still got that military discipline thing going on, and he's not quite under the zombie's thumb yet here. So it's, it's always, and, and maybe, he, you know, he kind of never is completely, but um, yeah, it's always good to get more of a rumble roll. Yeah. Cool. So uh, any other closing thoughts for you guys? Hopefully episode two is better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll take notes like Lane. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I should too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, my name's Lane. You can reach me on Twitter at SkankinMonkey. Luke? You cannot reach me on Twitter, but message Lane. I'll talk to you. <laughs> Scotty? Yeah, I'm on there. Scotty, two underscores, A&P, where you can go to Sabertron.com slash podcast to hear me talk about Transformers if you're into those. That's S-E-I-B-E-R-T-R-O-N.com slash podcast. Uh, and Yes, I always ramble this much. 
All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you the next time.